Hey there. Before we get to the show, I wanted to mention Bigger Pockets is hiring a full-time supervising producer for our podcast network. This is a remote position and it's a great opportunity if you have the right skill set. We're looking for someone with at least a couple of years experience managing production teams and someone who will feel confident taking the lead when launching new podcasts. So, would you or someone you know be a great fit? You can find the full job description at biggerpockets.com slash jobs. That's biggerpockets.com slash jobs to apply for our open podcast supervising producer job. Okay, now enjoy the show. Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, show number 270, Finance Friday edition, where we interview Kevin and talk about getting your spending under control. Within the next year or so, I'm going to have my credit cards going to be gone. And then I'm going to have extra income to do something with obviously a million things I could do with it. So I'm wondering what are the best ways to use that money once it becomes available to me so that I can find the most flexibility. And as, as Mindy said in the beginning, you know, like detach my time from my money more and more as time goes on. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen. And with me as always is my chocolate chip cookie loving co-host Scott Trent. I'm trying to take a bite at a good response pun to this, Mindy, but it's not working. Ugh, that was awful. They're all awful. They're terrible. Scott and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else. To introduce you to every money story, because we truly believe financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting. That's right. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on to make big time investments in assets like real estate, start your own business, or just start building wealth and paying off some credit card debt. We'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards those dreams. Scott, I am so excited to bring today's guest in today because he comes to us from our Facebook group, which you can join at facebook.com slash groups slash BP money if you're not already a part of our fascinating conversations about all things personal finance. It's a lot of fun. We talk about money and people ask questions and you can learn a lot. I've learned a lot from our members and it is a place to go to, a safe place to go to ask those questions that you may have about your finances. Anyway, Kevin posted about an experience he had about six months ago where he had gone out to dinner with his girlfriend and some friends to celebrate her birthday swiped his card and it was declined. So I reached out to him after ch- chatting with him on the group. I thought his story was really fun and I wanted to bring him on. Yeah, I think we had a great a great chat with him today and and it's it was it's it's really cool to hear a personal finance story from somebody who is getting started but has had an event transform their mindset with money, right? Like getting a card card declined or, or something like that. I think those are really powerful transformational moments that we go looking for. You probably have noticed when we interview people about their money stories on our Monday shows here at, uh, on Bigger Pockets Money. And that that event is a transformational pivot point where people's behavior and mindset or attitude or um, the way that they handle or, or move or capital allocate their money. It changes from there. And it's exciting to talk to somebody who's recently had that event happen and is looking to accelerate and figure out how to improve and, and get their finances on the right track, hopefully for life. Yes, hopefully for life. Okay, Scott, let's talk about our attorney. 
My attorney, our attorney, makes me say the contents of this podcast are informational in nature and are not legal or tax advice, and neither Scott nor I, nor Bigger Pockets, is engaged in the provision of legal, tax, or any other advice. You should seek your own advice from professional advisors, including lawyers and accountants, regarding the legal, tax, and financial implications of any financial decision you contemplate. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation home owning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. Kevin posted a story in our Facebook group about how he had gone out for a birthday dinner with his girlfriend and a few others about six months ago. And when he tried to put the whole thing on his credit card, it was declined. Bum, bum, bum. Everyone joked about it and somebody else put it on their card, but it stung. Kevin said, there I was, 29 years old with a corporate job in marketing and communications with a take-home pay almost double my fixed monthly expenses. Yet I had two maxed out credit cards, a student loan, a car loan, and not even enough in savings to cover a single month's expenses if I were to lose my job. Kevin has made huge strides in the last six months, paying off one card entirely, building up a one-month emergency reserve, and starting to play the balance transfer game to help pay down his next credit card. But he wanted to know what to do next. So this episode is for those of you who are just getting started on your financial journey, or for those of you with high school or young adult kids who may need young adult kids, young adult children who may need to hear it from someone other than their parents. So Kevin, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. Hey, thank you both for having me. Excited to be here. I'm super excited to talk to you. First of all, we need to celebrate the fact that you did not just swipe your card, have it decline to be like, oh, I guess my life is just a life of debt. I'll go get another card and try to max that out. You felt the 
shifting and you're like, I don't want to live like this. I want to change this. So you've made huge strides. You paid off a whole card. That's something we should celebrate. <laughs> Yay. We don't do the debt-free scream here, but woohoo, you're <laughs> paid off a card scream. Yay. I think that's fantastic. And I want to say congratulations on that. Thank you very much. And it's kind of funny, like the I think the reason everyone was so easily laughing about it was because of just that, because everyone's like, ah, oh, kind of like it's normal to have credit card debt. Like, ha you made a payment, hasn't gone through yet. No big deal. And it, it just is, didn't, you know, it was a big deal in my head. I was like, ah, this is, I don't want to be here. It is normal. It is no big deal for a vast majority of Americans. So I'm glad that you didn't like that. And I'm glad that you made these changes. And I'm glad you posted about it because I want to show other people who are listening right now. Yes, it's embarrassing when your card gets declined. And yes, you can change. That doesn't have to define you forever. And that doesn't have to define your financial situation. You can make changes. And it starts with being conscious of where your money is and where it's going. So with that very obvious segue, Kevin, what's coming in and where does it go? Sure. Um, so coming in is about, I'd say, 3300 a month um, at best take home. Um, so I, I make about 65 a year and I put about 10% into a 401k. Um, 5% of that is matched by my employer. So I put beyond the match. Um, and then 3300 comes home after that. Um, and about 1900, if I'm looking over here, it's cause I have notes, but it's about like 1900 of it is the fixed stuff. So like, you know, about 11 or 1200 for utilities, um, 550 for the car transportation. So I have like a car loan, car insurance, 125 for gas. Um, and then another 150 on kind of like personal stuff. So like some like vitamins, I have like a compost service and then like Hulu, Spotify and stuff like that. Um, and, and a charity, I give like $30 a month to a charity. Um, so that's like the fixed stuff. And then the big variable kind of sometimes black box is like food and going out. And, uh, I had, you know, I look back and I had like $250 last month in cash withdrawals. And I'm like, I know some of that was food. Some of that was groceries. Some of that, I could not tell you where it went. You know, it's like $5, $10 a year that just adds up real quick. So, um, that's where it's going right now. And then whatever's left has been going to, to the debt. Some some months more than others. How would you kind of quantify your average uh, on a monthly basis, the, the amount of cash you have to go towards debt? Uh, typically, it's probably about 500 extra. Okay, so we we can plan on 6,000 bucks a year as a pretty reasonable starting point for now? Yeah, I'd say so. Awesome. And where is your uh, net worth going? Where, where what's, what's it look like right now? Uh, it's mostly just in the 401k. Um, I have like a small rollover IRA from a job I had a few years ago um, that was a 401k. And then I have the current 401k, um, you know, and then like a small savings account if you count that towards net worth. But yeah, that's that's where it all is. Just basically 401k and some cash. Okay, awesome. And then um, what, what uh, if any debts, what were the levels of debt that you have? Uh, the debts are, um, let me look down here. So it's like 7700 on a credit card. Um, and then I have a car loan that's like 13 and a student loan that's a little over 10. So all in all, it's like 30, like 30, 31. Okay, great. Can you walk us through the interest rates on those debts? The credit card right now is zero. Um, cause I just moved it. I just opened a new account and did the balance transfer. So that's 0% for 15 months that started last month. So I have like 14 months left on that. No interest. Um, 
the car loan's 4.9 and the student loan is 4.2. Okay. I have a couple of questions before we move on. The student loan, is that a private loan or is that a federal loan? No, it's federal. So it's paused right now. So it's paused. Okay. We had an episode that came out on January 17th about student loans. So if you haven't listened to that one, I would suggest going back and listening to that one with uh, Robert Farrington from The College Investor. That is a really great episode about uh, what you can be doing for when it becomes unpaused, but also some advice on uh, maybe the pause will be extended. It was extended right before the uh, right between the time we recorded the show and the time that it was released, they extended the the payments till uh, what, May? May 1st? Yep. So they may extend them again, which would be great for you. You could work on paying down some of this other debt. A note about that 0% interest rate credit card, the balance transfer game that I mentioned in the intro, you can traditionally get or typically get a teaser rate when you open up a new credit card and you transfer a balance. Now, I know that there was a charge to transfer the balance, but the balance sits there at 0%. And it only sits there at 0% until the end of the teaser rate, and then the rate skyrockets again. So I would suggest throwing every dime you can at that, because what is the interest rate on that when it does come back to full interest? Yeah. The funny thing is, it is still going to be sky high, but it's slightly lower than the credit card I just transferred it from. <laughs> um, Which is a net win. So supposedly, yeah, I guess. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm, I'm 100% paying that down before before the end of the promo period. And the, the, the fee on it was like 3.5% for the transfer fee. And I did the math on that. And it was like, you know, you eat that 3.5% right up front. And I'm still going to save probably $1,500 to maybe possibly a little more than that over the course of the year I would otherwise take me to pay it off at the old interest rate. But when it kicks back in, it would be 25%. It's big. Ooh, that's, I think that's nudging into usury issues, well, but that's not me. What are the, what are your goals? Like what's the best way we can help you today? So, I mean, I, my, my goals, I mean, if I could sum it up in one word, it's flexibility, I guess, but it's, the way I'm thinking about it right now, so I'm like, I'm 29. So I've already kind of, I've been thrown into a 401k, but I've kind of already missed that, that boat that everyone talks about of like, you know, invest in your early twenties and let the compound interest do the work for you. And so I know I still have time there um, to do that, but within the next year or so, I'm going to have my credit cards going to be gone. And then I'm going to have extra income to do something with. And I'm wondering what, there are obviously a million things I could do with it. So I'm wondering what are the best ways to use that money once it becomes available to me so that I can find the most flexibility. And as, as Mindy said in the beginning, you know, like detach my time from my money more and more as time goes on. How, how much do you currently have in, in a uh, emergency funder in cash? It's probably a little over a month's worth of expenses. It might, it might be two months if I something happened and I really tighten things up. Probably last me two months. You know, one of the things I like to think about when, when, if your goal, the goal, I, I, I think that the goal you have of flexibility is actually an awesome goal. And we should spend just 30 seconds acknowledging that, 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 that is the goal, uh, with finances. I think that most people should have is building a more and more flexible position. And something to note is, um, that, that I'm, I'm sure you're aware of here is, you know, most of your wealth is in the, the 401k there and you have 
about a month of, of savings with, with that, along with a lot of debt. That's not a very flexible position. But what can happen within a couple of years, um, if you do things the right way, uh, you know, um, is you might buy a house and keep contributing to that 401k, pay off the debts, and you're still no more flexible right. because you still have one or two months expenses um, saved up, and you just have a little, you have a higher net worth, but it's not really translating to flexibility in your life. Yep. So I, I think it's an it's an artful goal uh, to have that in the first place, and then the the concept that that I would, I would, you know, introduce you to is this concept of runway, financial runway, which is the amount of time that you can survive without depending on your paycheck, which right now is one month, I think, um, of, 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 of time for you with that. So I think the, the, the bad news is that I think that building out financial runway, um, or that, that months of reserve is not a good idea until you've paid off the bad debt, the bad debt being your credit card debt right now. Um, yes, thank you for the plug, Mindy, on that. We'll, we'll, uh, I don't know if you've read Set for Life, which is the, my, my book on, on, on personal finance, but, but that's a concept that I try to, to build throughout the book. Um, and there is, is this concept of building out financial runway. Um, what, I would, what I would kind of advise is, great, Crush the credit card debt because if you don't pay that, you're going to assume a 24% interest rate in 15 months. And it'll take you about 12 months at your current run rate, perhaps a little bit less if you, if you find some creative ways, get a raise, um, get a bonus, um, or, or otherwise are able to cut out a little bit of spending there um, over the course of the next 12 months. But after that, if you can build out one year of flexible net worth after tax brokerage dollars uh, or a combination maybe of money in a savings account or in an after tax brokerage account in some form of investments that's going to give you that flexibility and what can happen from there is a large number of options begin to materialize you don't have to know what those op which option you're going to take at that point in time, but it could be that you decide to house hack um, at that point in time using your year of savings or six months to a year of savings, your, your runway. Uh, it, it could be that you decide to take a sales job or something with commission opportunity that can increase your income. It could be that you decide to just buy a rental property, keep doing what you're doing, buy a rental property or um, begin just plowing that into some other form, you know, or, or just begin piling money bit by bit into your retirement accounts or after-tax brokerage accounts. But either way, that optionality, I think, will give you a lot of good choices that you don't have to know exactly what you're going to do with right now, but you just know you can just know that they will materialize with you and that at 29, early 30s, uh, you're saying you missed the boat. You're, you're right in the, the prime of being able to take a large number of shots in your life around starting a business, making a large investment, doing something, changing a career or whatever it is that you want to do. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I mean, because that was that was sort of what I started thinking, right? I'm like, I don't want to find myself in a couple of years when I can finally afford a down payment on a house to then be, just be sitting in a house and be like, yeah, I have a house, but now I'm like house poor, and now it's you know, and I still don't have the flexibility that that I would want. Um, and so this is the yeah. first time I'm now starting to think through, like, okay, like I can see the end of the line with this debt, and I can see me having more income freed up to do things with. And now I'm trying to think through what all of those options are and what the path could be, like I said, to just separate the time from the money and make more flexibility. You, you mentioned the concept of fixed expenses as well. So, so first of all, I love that, right? If if you were to just go in a year from now, pay off the debt and then buy a house, you assume a mortgage payment. I think you said you were paying about a thousand bucks in rent yeah. right now. Yeah. Your mortgage payment's fifteen hundred bucks. You're essentially a no better of a position. Right. 
um, from, <laughs> from a life flexibility standpoint, even though you now have a house um, uh, from that. So I, again, I think that's why I think the goal of flexibility is such a, a, a powerful one with that. The best way to flexibility is paying off that debt, not assuming any more high fixed expenses, right? And understanding that over a moving period, like over five years, let, let's start with this. How long is, how much is left on your car loan? Uh, dollar amount, it's uh, thirteen, thirteen five. And how many years is is left on that? Oh, uh, four. Four. Okay, great. So in 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 four years, over the next four or five years, you you could conceivably get to a position where you've paid off your credit card debt, you've bought this house a house hack, right? So your so your monthly rent is down from a thousand to four hundred dollars, you know, or maybe zero, if depending on how how uh, good of a deal or uh, how advantageous a thing you can, you can find there. Your car loans paid off. And now over the course of that, those four years, you've slowly increased from that $500 a month in savings to a thousand to 1500 um, as, as these, each of these has fallen off and it's not an overnight process and it won't be, there's not a, a quick path to getting um, to a million dollars right now, but that, snowball will pick up bit by bit and will increase that monthly amount of savings, which will increase the amount of runway. And as long as those goalposts don't move, then that flexibility will continue to accrue to you in the form of these different types of investments. Uh, um, and those options, like it's impossible to say which path you should take from an investing perspective yeah. right now. Um, but, but those options begin to appear, I think, as, as, that, as that progress is made. Go ahead, Mindy. I have a lot of comments. First, I think that at your current level of spending, your biggest focus should be on tracking your spending and seeing where you can cut. I heard you say that you have a compost service, mm -hmm. and I don't know if you live near somebody else who also has this compost service. I don't know what this is, um, like money-wise, but... If that's something that you can cut out, yes, composting is great. Can you dig a hole in the backyard and compost it that way? Or can you connect with a neighbor who has a half-filled compost bin and then you split the cost? Um, I can't resist. I also... that, that, that smells like a good opportunity, Mindy. Oh, God. I quit. <laughs> you going. It stinks. My compost bin is gross. Anyway, um, I also heard you say cash withdrawals. You use a lot of credit cards and credit cards are this like double-edged sword. On the yeah. one hand, it's super convenient to just swipe. And it's also really convenient to track when you have everything on a card. But you have cards, you have like debt. So the cash withdrawals are a lot harder to track. Have you heard of Cube? Q-U-B-E. No. It is a cash, a digital cash envelope system. And it's, I'm going to mangle this description, but it's, it's a, it's tied to, it's an app that's tied to a debit card and you have to be conscious of where your money's going by saying, I'm going to put $500 in my grocery envelope, my digital envelope. And then you have to, when you're at the grocery store, say, okay, take the grocery budget and charge it on this card. And then your your debit card works. So it's still the trackable hmm. spending, but it's not credit card spending because it's coming out of a debit card. Does that make sense? It makes sense. But I, does that mean it like locks your debit card until you give it permission to spend the money? Is that how it works? 
Yes, that's exactly, that's a great way to say it. Yes, your debit card has $0 on it until you, on your app, say, I want to use this bucket to pay for this charge. Hmm. And if you have $500 in your grocery bill, but you've earned your grocery bucket, but you're trying to charge $600, it won't let it go through. Even if you have more money in your bank account, because it's coming out of your, your different buckets or envelopes. So it's a great way to have the convenience and trackability of the credit card without adding more credit card spending. So something to look into, we call this a research opportunity. Q-U-B-E. I really like this app. Um, and I believe it's free for you to use. Okay. So yeah, check into that. I really like this funny, app. funny because like the, the reason I, like, I didn't always have cash withdrawals, but I started doing that be, for the sole purpose of trying to stop using my credit card. And then that's what, what ended up happening is I just have this cash in my pocket I'd walk around with and say, all right, here's my money for the week or here's my money for the month or whatever. And and then it would fritter away on five, 10, 20 here things, things here or there, but also groceries. And then you try to look back on it and it's just this black box you can't track. So it's, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Cash is really hard. Yeah. I, I think Mindy's right to point these out. I mean, this, this area of, you, you, we talk about spending, right? The two tips are fixed and variable, right? So I was just talking about some of the fixed ones, but maybe the house hack or the car loan, th- those will, those could cut out hundreds or a thousand dollars a month from your fixed overhead over time. You know, that's, it'll take you a few years to, to fully implement all of all of those. But as long as you don't, but those those decisions may have a huge impact on your long term savings rate and are automatic. They just put all that money back in. The other part is the immediately actionable stuff, and and that's the the part where it just comes down to day to day management and budgeting with that and whatever tips or tactics work for you. So in addition to Mindy's great suggestions, one thing that I do is I just have a little habit tracker. I'm a, I'm a nerd and do these little. Uh, daily goals almost every single day. And, and I have a little weekly journal with my habits. And one of them is just personal finance 101. Um, and I've settled on a number of things like budget or whatever. But I, I, when I write down personal finance 101, did I do at least like one minute or two minutes of personal finance 101 today? Did I just check my Mint um, app? Did I just categorize the few expenses I've done in the last couple of days? And if I do that, even if I miss a day or two, I'm really coming back to it just every every few days. And I'm like, oh, I spent... You know, I, I, I today I was supposed to be somebody for breakfast, and they they canceled on me very professionally in a week ahead, and I forgot to remove the calendar appointment, so I bought myself breakfast alone. Sadly, <laughs> <thing>. um, <laughs> got your so fired. Like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna like that's gonna show up on my personal finance 101 tomorrow, or whatever, when I go and categorize all my my expenses, <laughs> and so that little stuff just helps me eliminate more and more those types of expenses. I think it's really helpful to note that Scott and I are supposedly these like experts and we mess up our money all the time. So this isn't just you, Kevin. It's not like we're perfect and you're making the mistakes. So we're like, hmm, Kevin, why can't you be like us? <laughs> I am starting to track my spending publicly. If anybody wants to follow along, biggerpockets.com slash Mindy's budget. And you can watch me uh, right now. I'm doing great. Haven't gone overboard in any expense yet, but we're recording this on January 4th. So, uh, so far, <laughs> my $4,000 monthly budget, I have already spent $1,700. I'm almost halfway. And of course, that's my mortgage is already hit because on the first it hits and property taxes and homeowners insurance. But there's also like groceries. Uh, I really struggle at my groceries. I'm that's and I see you at 850 as a single person and I'm not here to 
make you feel bad, but I put 650 as my family of four budget. And I guessed, I mean, I haven't tracked my spending in a year. I don't have a clue what I'm spending on groceries, but is 850 really what you need? I also see vitamins and supplements that you're taking and I'm not a doctor, I'm not an expert. Do you really need those? Are they super expensive? Is there a way to cut the cost? Uh, is there a mail order option that makes it less expensive? And that, that again, is another um, research opportunity for you. But when you have 850 as food, how much of that is groceries that you're uh, you know, cooking at home? And how much of that is restaurants, bars, and beer? I've got a very separate category for beer. <laughs> and I really enjoy beer. I live in a city that has something like 13 microbreweries. I spend a lot of money on beer. But that's also a really easy category to cut out. So um, my, my categories are, some of them are specific and some of them aren't. And I, I purposely separated out parties at my house because I have a pool in my backyard. I have people over. We do a lot of like hamburgers on the grill. I just got a pizza oven for Christmas. We're going to do a lot of pizza outside this year. But it's also something that's really easy to cut if my expenses start going crazy. Um, so I think looking at your your breakdown, I would go super specific. Like you don't have to do different grocery stores. If you shop at Safeway and Kroger, that can be all lumped into one. But if you go to the grocery store and a restaurant, how frequently are you going to the restaurants? I would separate those out and see if there's like a clear, easy way to cut that isn't going to change your life. Because when you go bare bones, like you could really get your expenses way down if yeah. you cut out absolutely every yeah. fun thing in your life. And then your life would suck and you would hate it and you would stop. So where can you make small changes that won't be noticeable in your life? But like every $30 you cut out is $30 more you can throw at your, your credit card bill and cut it out sooner. And $30 more that you can then throw at your car and cut that out sooner. And it it starts to snowball. And I don't know if you are, uh, if you like this, but like I start seeing, you know, ooh, I wonder how little I can spend this month when I'm tracking my spending, when I really, Scott called himself a nerd, I'm a nerd too. You're surrounded, sorry. But like, it's it starts to be a game. How little can I spend this month? Oh, it's the 27th of the month. Can I go for the rest of the month without spending any money? Well, the car's on E and I have to go to work tomorrow. So no, I can't. But, you know, I can find something in the cabinet so I don't have to make, so I don't have to go to the grocery store and buy more food. Like there's, it just, it, if you can turn it into a game, it's a little more fun. And, and here, here's, you know, this is the, when, when Mindy says fun, right? I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say use the word fun to describe this. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is, if, if you're like me, this is not going to be a fun activity for you. It, I, I think the way the way I approach it is is like th let's just think rationally and practically and calculatingly about the math behind our financial position with this. There are four levers: spend less, earn more, create, or invest. Right. And right now, the lever that is most controllable for you is spend less. That'll be the case for probably one to two, maybe three years before other before that flexibility kicks in and the investing or creating or earning more 
um, uh, categories really open up in a really meaningful way, um, perhaps to you. Um, uh, it, they may be open to you currently, but they may be much more open to you as your financial position becomes more flexible and you build out that financial runway. So the deal is right now, you're giving a lot of power to your boss um, <laughs> right now in your life, right? Because you have you don't have that financial flexibility. So and and the way to buy that back, the the the, the spending component of your of your finances is a very powerful lever in the con to the concept of flexibility right because the less you spend the more you accumulate and the less runway you need in order to sustain your future spending so if you can cut your spending from 3 grand a month to 2000 a month you're saving an extra 1000 bucks and instead of needing 6 you know 6 grand for 3 months of um i'm sorry if you spend three grand, you need $9,000 in the bank to give you three months of flexibility versus $6,000 um, will, will give you three times $2,000 in monthly spending. I'm butchering that. <laughs> but, but the concept there, that, that's a really powerful concept. And then you, you, don't, you have to understand, like, this is not a permanent state of affairs, but it is a grind for a period of time to keep those expenses as low as possible. While you build up flexibility, perhaps passive income, more scalable streams of income, alternative sources of income, those types of things, and then it can begin picking back up on the other side of that over the over the duration of of, of a lifetime. And it's that period of I think self sacrifice that that puts that puts in the position to build that flexibility and then ride it from from there on. So my my spending is not as in controlled as Mindy's, and um, I need I have some work to do before I would I would post it publicly um, on on this. But it's not the big it's not the lever that matters right now in my personal financial position. But um, when I was starting out from scratch and starting to build up my position, I was around that $2,000, $2,500 a month in, in um, spending um, over, over, over that period of time while I was building up that, that flexibility on a $50,000 a year income because that was the biggest lever for a period of four, five, six years before it began to transition into managing my assets and and expanding my career here at bigger pockets with that. So that that's that's one way to think about it is it's whether it's fun or not, it's the it's the mathematically where the time should be spent and it's work that goes into I think it's just it's just as much work as building an investment portfolio or trying to scale your income is is really knocking down these expenses, planning out your meals, getting control of those big categories uh, and 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 funneling every dollar to where you want it to go. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Listen up, business owners. Here's some quick math. 
Fewer costs equals more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Don't let rising costs sink your business's growth. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash bpmoney. That's netsuite.com slash bpmoney. netsuite.com slash bpmoney. So I have a thought. So you're a marketing communications person. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know this, but there's this thing called the internet and there's a lot of things going on on the internet where people need marketing and communications. I would first look at your employment documentation to make sure you don't have any sort of non-compete or you can't yeah. do any work for anybody else while you're there. But if you can start your own marketing and communications company now, because if it completely fails, what have you lost? Nothing but like $8 on a website name. And if you paid more than that, you paid too much. (laughs) But like it can be a really easy way. Like it's not easy for me, but I'm not in marketing communication. So that's okay. But there's all sorts of things that you can do for clients that are automated or easy or like low time out of your day or even like big upfront time and then it continues on. But having your own business And starting your own business while you have a source of income so you can try things. And if they fail, that's okay. I think now is a great time to start in the marketing, especially now because all everybody's budget has just opened up again. In December, it's really difficult to get a dollar from anybody. But in January, they're spending money everywhere. (laughs) So start out there. What is your area of expertise? What is your uh, industry of expertise? What is your genre and go from there. What can you provide people and how can you do it in such a way that they send you a lot of money every month? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that all makes a lot of sense. And I, I think I'm a little bit more in the Scott camp here where it's not super fun for me to be <laughs> just tracking all this stuff. Um, but I think the thing that's really changed has been like, I've just, I guess a part of what I've said in the earlier about my goal for flexibility, it's also like the goal to not have to think about money all that much if I don't, if I don't have to. And I, the mindset shift that's just happening for me very recently is like, I need to think about it a lot more right now so that later on, I don't have to think about it as much. And I think the, and the, the fact that I haven't been thinking about it that much all these years has actually been driving me further and further into a position where now I need to think about it way more than I want to. <laughs> yeah. I, like Mr. Mr. Money Mustache has, I think, a really good framework for thinking about money in one of his blog posts. Um, and that's a great blog for you to check out if you haven't already. Um, that extreme mentality, I, I would say he's fairly extreme. Uh, I think most people would agree with me uh, on, on, uh, on the, uh, uh, on the, the savings front. But, you know, that really was a big motivator for me was his blog and kind of embracing a lot of the concepts that he talked about. And that might be a good entry point for you to just start perusing a couple of random articles. Anyways, one of those, he talks about, hey, a healthy relationship with money 
may ultimately look like your relationship with tap water. And I've used this before uh, on the podcast, but let me, let me go, go roll with me for one second here. Like tap water, you turn on the faucet, you take what you need, you use it, you shower, whatever, and then you turn it off. You don't waste it. Um, you, you have complete control over where it's all going, but you don't really think about it um, on a day-to-day basis. It's not just, it's something that's there. That's the ultimate goal, I think, in finance with that. But right now, what your story is telling us is that money is leaking through all these different holes or has been for a while in your your ship. And you need to plug all of those before you can really begin to turbocharge the income income creation. And you're, you're well on your way. You've clearly done most of the work. You just have a little bit more left um, to, to kind of clean up, particularly around the day-to-day side of, uh, side of money management. And yeah, it's, it doesn't have to be all consuming, but it should be every single day or close to it that you're tracking and managing those expenses. Go ahead, Mindy. I have one more thing that may be a bit controversial. So I'm going to post this in the Facebook group and I'm really going to do it, JT. I'm not going to just say I'm going to do it. And then I'm actually going to put a calendar notification. My friend JT listens. He's like, you always say you're going to do it and then you forget. Well, yeah, I do. So you have a $30 charitable giving line item in your current budget, but you also have $7,000 in debt at what will be 24% interest rate. So at what point do you stop your charitable giving to focus on paying down your debt? And $30 is not just going to magically wipe out your um, your uh, credit card debt. And it's not going to wipe out your student loan. And that is a nominal fee. But if it was $1,000, that would be a really easy place to tell you to maybe pull back a little bit. So I'm going to ask people in the Facebook group, where do you start and stop giving? And this is charitable giving. This isn't like a, a tithe to a church. Is that correct? No, no, it's not. It's just okay. a monthly donation to a group that I like the work they do. Yeah. yeah. So, and that like at 30 bucks, I just used the term $30. Oh, every $30 is more $30 you could throw down on your credit card. But this is like doing good work. So where is the balance? But is that the only charitable giving you're doing? Could you use that money to pay down your debt and then just throw a big bunch of money back at them now that you're not making your $250 minimum credit card payment. Like I'm not encouraging not being charitable, but also like you have to look out for yourself. Yeah. I'm just tripping all over this. Scott, no, help makes, me. You makes, know what I'm trying to sense. say. I mean, I think what I'm, what I'm hearing is you're trying to look, you're trying to tell me to look everywhere, look everywhere where, where all of your money's going, look every single thing and where could you cut something and where, and where, where do you not want to cut things? And I, my immediate reaction to that is like, yeah, if it was a bigger number, I, I would look at it harder, but I think there are, there, I know there are other places I can cut a lot more and cutting that first would make me feel a little weird inside. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, well, exactly. I'll, I'll tell you another place to look. Uh, so I'll see Mindy's controversy in upper, uh, and upper you know, eraser with, with this, um, go to the 401k, um, you know, take take the match on that, but why why are you investing in the four hundred one k when you have credit card debt that's that's uh, going to be incurring a twenty four percent interest rate with that, right? I didn't want to and, say that. And personally, personally, I I I didn't, and I probably if I'm in your shoes, I you know, if if the money's going to hit my bank account, I'm going to waste it. Put it in the four hundred one k. 
for sure. That's that's a that's a tax advantage place to do it. But if you're going to intentionally manage every dollar flowing through your position and direct it towards the goal of flexibility, the 401k is not going to provide that. So I, I I didn't, and if I was doing it again, wouldn't contribute to the 401k in the pursuit of building up that first year of financial runway. Because for me, I would intend to use that runway to jumpstart that next phase of my career, buy a house hack, or do something else that's going to have a way bigger impact on my flexibility early in life than the 401k. Yeah, I thought about that. that? I, I thought about that. I've I've been thinking about that too. Like I'm I'm contributing twice what my employer matches right now, and that was some that was uh, some of the feedback I heard from some of the people in the group in the Facebook group too. They were, why don't you take that other five percent and put it in a Roth IRA, and then you might be able to use that down the line uh, as part of a down payment. And I don't know exactly how that would work, or if that even makes sense, or if I could just keep it as cash and that would, you, you know, like if it's if the house tax is going to happen in the next say five years, uh, does it even make sense to put it through into like an index fund through a Roth IRA or just to keep it as cash if I'm going to take it back out that soon? You know, that's, that's another question. I mean, that's a weeds question, but it's another thing I've thought about. I, I just wouldn't be maxing out a, a, a Roth IRA when you have credit card debt. Yeah. So it's all about arbitrage. And so let, let's, I, I, there's some way to mathematically compute this that I can't do in my head here, but you have 15 months and then the, the credit card rate is going to go to 24%. So, you know, you're at 0% for now, but like you have to play either a timing game to do that um, or, and you're going to take market risk while like, so if you, if you put, if you max out your Roth IRA and put $6,500 in there, um, instead of paying off the credit card debt, you might, if things go really nicely, be able to pay off the credit card debt before that hits and have a year in the market. Big whoop, you're going to get 10% on that on that Roth IRA return this year and have that, have that sitting in there. You know, I, I just don't think that that's, I, I, I think that that's, it, it may be a game worth playing, but to me, it seems like a much simpler and clearer order of operations is no, no, cut all spending that I can. That's reasonable Divert every dollar to where I want it to go. doesn't mean don't have any fun. You, you clearly have enough savings to, to have, uh, you know, the, the fun you want to have with this, but make sure I've got control of every dollar that's going out. Um, going out, I'm diverting all of my cash. I'm taking my employer match because that's, that's a hundred percent return. That's going to dwarf your 24% interest rate on the, uh, the credit card debt. But then after that, everything's going toward the credit card rate uh, debt. Then I'm building out my financial runway to the point that I'm comfortable with. And then I'm using that to, to go and pursue some sort of opportunity. That's going to have a really powerful impact on your, on your situation. If you think you're actually going to use that flexibility to some sort of financial advantage, yeah. like a house hack or an, uh, or changing careers or starting some sort of side hustle that requires capital or making another large investment. If you don't think you're going to use the financial runway, then start maxing out the Roth IRA or the 401k um, instead of instead of building out the the flexibility. Yeah, I mean, I think if I guess my question was like, so even even if I didn't touch my 401k contribution right now. Right now, at the rate I'm paying credit card debt down, it will be gone well before this promo period is over. So if I was to then take that additional 5% that I'm putting in a 401k and stop doing that, should that just be stacking in a savings account for that runway you're talking about? Is that like 
I think it's whatever flexibility means to you. So when yeah. I like, that's the big question, like where should I store my runway? Right. Yeah. So like a lot of people put that in like, okay, I want a savings account that make that gives me flexibility. Some people are like, I'll, I'll put it in an after tax brokerage account because I can spend that whenever I feel like it. And some people put it in money. Like it can be, it can be a, a spectrum. It's whatever you're comfortable with. When I w- was getting started, I put it all into an index fund in my after tax brokerage account. I'm not sure that was a good idea, but that worked out in 2013 um, for, for me at that point in time. And I really wanted to get started investing. And I was like, okay, I'll just build double the amount of flexibility that I needed, that I need, um, in that brokerage account over time. And that's flexibility to me. And then I pulled out some of that to buy my first house hack. You, I, I learned later, I could have used money in a Roth IRA that I had contributed and pulled out, I think up to $10,000 to, to be the down payment. So that's a good option, but it adds some complexity, yeah. um, into the, into the situation. And there's less uses of, of the, of the, like, like that would not be, I think it would be harder to pull that out to start a business from scratch, right, for yeah, example. Yeah. Um, uh, or at least the gains would be harder to pull out to 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 start the business. So there there's differences in what you think flexibility means. This the obvious answer is a savings account, but then you better use it if it's going to be in the savings. You, you better take some sort of advantage of it if it's going to be if you're going to build that much of a runway in a savings account um, and use that flexibility to your advantage um, because you're just going to be destroying purchasing power to inflation. Right. If you if you leave it there too long, well, that makes sense um, too because I didn't. What about that piece you just said that I pulled out? I wasn't thinking through was the part the amount you can take out of a Roth for something like a down payment on a house is only the contributions. It's not it's not the gains that you might see in the next five years. So that well, you can actually pull out ten thousand dollars, I think, of the gains to be uh, to be used as part of your house down payment. So you can pull out the contributions anytime, but the the gains there's a set of exceptions up to certain limits that you can use them for. Right. So it's, it's reasonably flexible, but it's not quite as flexible as, as other. Or just like a brokerage uses. account. Yeah. 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 So, but yeah, I think that's the way, but so, so but let's pull out the next. So, so you're saying, should I stop contributing to the 401k? Like the question is, should I stop contributing to the 401k and the Roth and pay off the credit card debt? Well, if you think you're going to pay off the credit card debt, really fast. It doesn't really matter. Like let's pay, let's say you pay it down by the end of this year, then you can divert everything back to the 401k and still max it out next year or to the Roth um, or, and still max out as much as you can next year with that. But I think that a simple all out step-by-step approach might make a lot of sense rather than kind of piecemealing it here. If the goal is flexibility um, over the next next 12 to 24 months. Yeah, I think that's what I'm trying to think through. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. I'm trying to think I could do all of these things at the same time, or if I do them one at a time, what is the order in which I do them? And that that's helpful. Yeah, to, to me, that order says, screams credit card, financial runway, then maxing out probably the Roth rather than the 401k um, in your situation. And then the 401k. Yeah, but the, I, but here's the thing: like, there's just no like at 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 your income and your savings rate, you're not going to be able to get through that whole list right. inside of the next not the in next the next year, year but that can be a goal. Yeah. Also, he's going to start Kevin's really awesome marketing and communications <laughs> company dot com, and then uh, become a trillionaire. Is that domain so, taken yet? I don't know. I didn't look it up, but yeah, probably not. Better take People it before like those airs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so if you need Kevin and his really awesome marketing and communications company, just go to that.com. Okay, so I'm going to invite you to listen to episode 75 with Justin from the Saving Sherpa, 
in regards to cutting your food budget, because Justin is a master at cutting your food budget. What does he spend, like $1.50 a month on his groceries, Scott? It's something really ridiculous and still doable because he shops He shops the sales. It's been, God, it's been almost I think he spends more than $1.50. It's probably more than $1.50, but it's not much. It's like $35 or $50 a month or something. And of course, he's not eating... Uh, filet mignon every night. He's not eating steak and, you know, he doesn't have a lot of meals with meat in them. But when there is meat on sale, he will buy it in bulk and put it in the freezer so that he can have meals with meat down the road. But he grew up um, without a lot of money and his mother would play a game with him. What's the, like, the lowest price you can find at the grocery store? What's the cheapest meal we can make? So they ate a lot of um, creative meals. But beans go a really long way as a source of protein. And if you can cut the meat out of a meal like once or twice a week, that is a huge gain in your grocery budget. Um, I would look at what is your groceries? Like what kind of groceries are you buying and how are you shopping? Oh, in episode three with uh, what was her name? Erin Chase Hmm. from $5 Dinners. She has a plan where you can make dinners for $5. And Scott, you were, she was, I'm sorry, I'm remembering this show. And this is right when we first started. And she's talking about shopping the scale, sales. And Scott's like, I'm going to change my whole way of grocery shopping. Yeah, that's insane to me. Like, five, I mean, $5 dinners is, is one thing. But yeah, like I've heard some, of, I mean, I've been listening to the show for a while. And I, I've heard some of these, these episodes of like families of five feeding themselves on like $400 a month. And I'm like, how how the hell do you do that? <laughs> yeah, it can be really really tough. I don't know I, I how bet some it of these helps. Do it. I bet it helps because so, sometimes, like if you live far away, like in a pretty rural or remote area, you've got to buy in bulk and plan it all out for the month or whatever. Yeah. So I bet I bet that also helps and may skew some some of the because like. Mindy, I think does a pretty good job as that six fifty, um, and I'm I'm probably at like six fifty or seven hundred groceries for the two of me and my wife. So I'm not I'm not so great at at, at this one. I probably need to go back and listen it's to that. It's funny, episode. like I but, and it, it makes sense though, because I mean I just the house I live in now I just moved into a few months ago, and before that I was living in the city in Boston, and just by moving like twenty minutes out into the suburbs, where now the closest things to me are grocery stores instead of like the million takeout joints that are around on my block in uh, Boston, I immediately started spending less. I was spending even more before. I still have a ton of room to cut, but like just that I knew it was going to happen too. Like just the act of moving out here where now it's like the two or three closest food places are grocery stores and not the 12 takeout joints I pass on my way home from work uh, immediately made it easier. But that, that was a passive thing. And now I'm at the phase of like, now it's, now it's time to, get into the active phase, basically. My 650, I need to qualify that with, um, again, we're recording this on January 4th, and so far I'm doing great, but it's only four days in. My 650 is a guess. I really hope to come in under 1,000. I mean, it'd be really nice to come in there 650, but I really think I'm going to blow that out of the water and need to really figure out how to fix my grocery budget. But also, Scott said the P word, plan. When you go to the grocery store, do you have a list or do you just kind of grab what looks nice? Oh, uh, yeah, I have a list, but I also grab a few things that look nice sometimes. Ooh, <laughs> so here's an idea. Spend money to save money. Have you tried the grocery shopping apps where they shop for you? Because if you give them a list of things, they only give you that stuff. 
They don't think, oh, maybe you would like these bananas and this <laughs> milkshake and these granola bars that I thought looked good. They only give you what's on that stuff or like a reasonable substitute. Um, so that could be something interesting to try when you're trying to cut your budget. Oh, I need 17 things. Only buy 17 things. And if you can't, maybe have somebody else do it for you so that you don't mm. buy other things. Also, don't go to the grocery store hungry. Yeah, that's always a mistake. Well, one, one of my things is I uh, – well, and by the way, my, my wife will, will, will make fun of me because I, I, I don't really go to the grocery store quite as much anymore. Um, <laughs> so thank, thank you, Virginia. Um, uh, <laughs> for a lot of the, but like when, when, I was, when I was doing this, like I would just make the same thing every week. And I learned from Aaron Chase that it's a mistake because like if you're a more masterful cook than, than I was with, with three or four recipes um, that I could make, you know, she can say, okay, I'm going to actually modify my whole spend my whole plan on the fly based on what is on sale. And I can see that through the apps or whatever that the stores have and all that kind of stuff. So um, that was, that's probably another tip that is better than I ever did, but, but might be helpful. Yeah. I make a lot of the same things despite whether it's on sale or not. <laughs> yeah. So she, oh, was, yeah. I see a way to cut, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, like, Having a plan, and you don't have to have a whole actual, like, I stick to this plan specifically. But if you have a week's worth of groceries or a week's worth of meals planned out and you say to yourself, oh, I thought I had chicken breast and I don't, but I do have pork chops and that was what I was supposed to make tomorrow, you don't have to go and buy that stuff because you know in advance, oh, I've already got this for the next meal. So then you can go get chicken later because when you go to the grocery store like you just said i also did the same thing you go with the list but you come home with extras all the things that you're saying you do i do too i'm just sitting here like oh this is what you should do is that what i do <laughs> well I, I, but it, but again like it comes down to it's all about the lever in your financial position yeah. and like this is the one that you is immediately actionable to you in the next couple of months that will save you several hundred dollars with this is is it going to get you to a million dollars in net worth no way, but it will get you the start, begin building you the flexibility, and then you need to leverage that flexibility within the next two years to make a big investment and or start a business or you know take take an income opportunity or whatever. And that that's what that's what this power that's what this will the power of this activity right now is is in setting that accelerating that the time when when those opportunities can are, are going to be more accessible to you. Yeah, like I said, I think it makes all this stuff makes sense. All this stuff conceptually makes makes a whole lot of sense. Um, it's really, I think, has always it, it, this whole thing is coming down to mindset for me, and it's coming down to just the way that I think about money. Like it's always sort of looked like something that was in the way, or that was a burden, or that was something I didn't want to think about. And now I'm seeing it as an opportunity, and that's really that's really what's helping me. Make, it's helping make it easier to make these decisions and help it easier for me to like get excited about making these kinds of plans because I because I see that it's an opportunity and it's not just like something that I have to do and that money's in the way and I'm like oh I don't want to do this or that I'm like no if I do this or that I get to do this because then I'll get to do X Y and Z down the line and that's been that mindset shift has been like a game changer for me yeah it's power. You, yeah. Power over your like over your life uh, and every aspect of it um, with that 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 will accrue over time with that and and I think so this this process that we talked about this should be I think this should be a Q one goal for you 
I'm going to, I'm going to master this and knock this out so that in Q2, maybe my strategy fundamentally doesn't change with where the dollars go, but I've got such a lock on my spending that I feel like, you know what, maybe there's more I can do, but it's really just not a lever anymore. I'm not, what am I going to go after 30 bucks in my giving budget at this point? Um, with that, I, I, I'm good there. Now it's about income generation or my investment approach that I'm going to be, that I'm working towards. How do I read a bunch of books to get, become a master of real estate investing or this other, this other thing, but like, just knock this one out as, as a lever, get control over it so that it's not, so that it's not, it's not a variable in your equation. You can focus on the, the, the more fun ones of, of earning more investing, which I think I, I sense that you want to get to. Yeah. Oh yeah. I definitely want to get there. And that's why, that's why I'm here talking to you all right now. It's like, I feel like I can finally see beyond the phase that I'm in right now. And I'm starting to think about what the next thing is and getting a lock on the spending now would just basically part of that's going to free up my time. And I'm like, all right, just my time in every day of what I might spend doing like hobbies and things. Now I'm, now that I'm excited about this and what I can do next, I'm like, well, what do I want to learn about next? That's going to be one of those options I can then actually take when I have the money to, to invest in it, whether it's real estate or whatever it is. Um, that one I'm definitely thinking a lot about is like, how do I spend that? Like, I think it was a, a recent episode I was listening to you both where you say, like, are you willing to spend like 500 hours learning about something to really get good at it? And I was like, wow, you know, that's, I could probably spend 500 hours in the next year or in the next year while I'm paying down this debt so that when it's gone, I'm, <laughs> I've learned a lot and I can just like be ready to take the next step. You know, I, I think that's perfect. I also think, you know, if, if you're looking to get more aggressive, that we've described here. We, so we talked about, hey, cut expenses. You, you really have that one category of variable expenses right now yeah. with that. The other ones are going to be the bigger fixed ones. Like when you move next time, can you can you cut that rent even more with with some sort of creative strategy? Um, I don't know. Airbnb being somebody's property. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Like there's maybe there's a way to do that. Um, the house hack of the interim or something like that. But but it's it's really about those variable expenses in the short run and then making having a plan for when the expiration date hits on your car payment and your housing payment and whatever, so that you don't reassume those and you can knock them out and your spending permanently decreases by that level. Um, ideally for the rest of your life, because the next time you buy a car, hopefully it's in cash, you know, when you have a financial position to do so. So then I think it's like, what are you going to do with the excess cash? Well, you put it into some sort of logical order. My preference personally, if the the goal remains flexibility, and that's actually the primary goal, um, would be to do an order of operations, take the match because that's 100% – if it's 100% match, it's 100% gain on day one, but funnel essentially every other dollar towards the highest and best next use – pay off the credit card, build out the emergency reserve or whatever you, you consider to be financial runway. Um, that's something you have to internalize about your own risk tolerance there where you want to, um, plop that money. Uh, and then, you know, and then I think in the meantime, once you've locked that down on the spending side and figured that out, you now know, great, I'm I'm saving 500 bucks a month, maybe 650, 700, depending on how much control I can get over those variable expenses. It's going to take me this long to pay off my credit card debt. What can I do in the meantime if, if, if I'm motivated to do more in my free time and it's not going to distract from my quality of life? Can I, you know, 
so what, what I, I tried to do is I tried to start various businesses every 90 days that required little to no capital or like some sort of side hustle. And most of them failed for the first two and a half years. I tried to start a company that sold winter gloves for driving. I brought a mastermind, a group, a proposal to my, my mastermind group that I had joined about winter tire rentals to theme there. Um, and, there, and that was a terrible idea because if you buy the winter tire, if you buy like a set of tires and you rent it out for a year, I pay 400 bucks for the tires. I make 250, but then the next year they may not rent. And I just have a pile of inventory yeah. that is only going to last me three years. And I got to buy more tires for all, like all like the cars just have yeah, uh, so, renting so, tires. They, they, yeah. It doesn't, they don't, they, they're not rentable for very long. <laughs> Yeah. So they, they talked me about that one, but I, I tried those yeah. every, and, and like most of them were terrible ideas, but then, you know, over time things started hitting my house hack was one of the, the things that I, that I did, which I, I considered to be one of those things. Uh, I wrote the book, um, uh, and, and so a number of those began to over time become, you know, valuable contributions. And I learned from each of those. So that could be a framework to deploy is like every 90 days, I'm going to start something that has some potential to either help me learn, but won't, won't, won't cause me a lot of grief and losing my money. Mm. And those opportunities will get better and better as your flexibility improves. So that would be another thing to think about once you've locked down your spending, focusing on that second lever of these opportunities. I want to point out that all of your failed endeavors involved, not all of them, but most of them involved holding physical inventory, which is something that you have to put money into in advance and hope that somebody comes and buys it. Whereas Kevin's super duper amazing marketing and communications company.com is $8 for the website or nine or whatever. And then Kevin, assuming, I'm assuming that Kevin can put together the website or know somebody who can. And then it's just his time. So if it is a big flop, he's spent eight bucks or nine bucks. Um, and he already has a computer. He already has the, the capacity to do it. He already has like the ideas. It's just your mental space, which is free. And I don't mean that in a bad way, although it <laughs> sounds bad. Like you're not paying right. for that. So if it doesn't work out, you're not out a huge amount. And uh, Alan Donegan was on episode like 17 or 18 And he has this thing called Pop-Up Business School where he teaches people how to do a super lean startup. Don't go out and buy all the things and then test the idea. Test the idea first. So I love, Scott, I love that your mastermind people told you don't rent winter tires because (laughs) I don't love that idea. I love the creative creativity behind it. But even Kevin's superdupermarketingcompany.com won't be able to... Uh, get you a lot of business there. (laughs) Or maybe it would. Oh, maybe that's a really great (laughs) success story. Kevin's super duper marketing. We're so good. We can even sell Scott's rentable snow tires. (laughs) But But anyway, I just wanted to point that out. One one day I'll prove them wrong. Yeah, if you ever revive the idea, call me. We'll set up the website. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Um, What was it? Kevin's super duper marketing.com? Marketing super, super duper, duper marketing and community. Yes, marketing oh, and communications dot com. Yeah. Dot org. Or if you can't remember that, email Mindy at biggerpockets.com and I can connect you to I Kevin. Think I'll remember super duper marketing and communications.com for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, but but so so hopefully this is getting at least some ideas sparking. The strategy in the short run with what your cash is gonna be gonna be doing is pretty clear cut, I think, for for, for me, yeah. um, for the for the most part with that. Depends on how 
much how far you want to go with reallocating the capital that you're accumulating, perhaps away from the 401k to the, the debt or not. But it's probably credit card until it's paid off and then into that, that flexibility. And then if you can, knocking it out and saying, can I set myself up to try some of these ideas, whatever ones look good to you at the time. And if you can go and look back and say, hey, in two and a half years, I'm going to look back. Where am I at? Well, I've paid off my credit card debt. I've built out a year of runway. So I have the FU money if I ever need it um, uh, from my job. I'm using that to my advantage somehow. And I've tried 10 businesses or scaled one 10 times, you know, ten, over 10 quarters to, to get to something. Surely some, some good outcome um, in excess of what the, the math the formulaic math would tell you is going to happen right. what happened over that two and a half year period that would put you ahead of, you know, just saving 500 bucks a month times 30 months. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What, what are your thoughts? Has this been, has this been, is this answering your questions? Yeah, is, is no, this it, it is. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, it's real. Like I said, I keep coming back to the mindset thing. I keep coming back to the framework of, should I be trying to spread things across multiple or should I just focus down and do things one at a time? Um, and that makes a lot of sense. And the, the thing you just said about the formulaic math versus the, the sort of unseen opportunities or the sort of compounding effect of what you can do with flexibility. Um, that that's like motivating. That's motivating to me. Awesome. I, and there's no, there's no, you can't diversify right now. This yeah. is not a good time to diversify, right? right? Like diversification is great all, all for diversification, but you have to diversify when you have assets to diversify. So I, I love the idea of just going all in on, on the, the, the thing that you think is best for a year or two. And then you can diversify when you have hundreds of thousands of dollars in assets, uh, in 2.5 years, uh, to, to, to begin diversifying with that, that that's, that's a, that's a point where I think it makes more sense to, to begin with, the, with those types of things. Otherwise, you're just going to ensure that you have a small pile that doesn't lose money versus, you know, using that flexibility to, to go after the big opportunity. Right. Okay. Well, it sounds like I need to talk to you in two and a half years when I have my uh, super duper marketing communications dot, dot com. 90 and, days, and, 90 days. <laughs> oh yeah. The, the website will be in 90 days. Yeah. yeah. Then, okay. Makes sense. I'll call you and we'll, we'll spin up that tires idea. <laughs> Sounds great. Oh, did you hear that, Scott? We'll spin up that tires idea. He's that was just pretty like good. You. Yeah, I like Thanks, that. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> He's like, I'm not sure I give myself credit for that one. Yet, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kevin, when you have your website up and running, let me know, and I will make the announcement in the Facebook group. Hey, remember Kevin from episode 270? Well, now Kevin's marketing, super duper marketing and communications.com is up and running. So I will it's give rolling. you a plug. <laughs> in. Oh, oh, it's rolling. Yes. His first client is Scott. So he's lost money on Scott's stupid idea. So he needs more clients. So call him up. And then, because self-promotion is not allowed in the Facebook group, but it's my group, so the rules don't apply to me and I can post anything I want. So I will post that for you. So let me know. So hurry up. We'll do. I got nine bucks. Okay, Kevin. Said I got nine bucks. What? <laughs> you got nine bucks. There you go. Okay, Kevin, this has been so much fun. I'm super excited for you. You've got a slog ahead of you, but I, just by talking to you today, I know you are going to crush it. And when we check back in on you in two and a half years, you have to reach out to me, remind me that you have crushed life and you want to come back and share it with everybody. Everybody else will know too, that you have absolutely crushed it and you are well on your way to becoming a millionaire by age 40, simply because you are doing what is different. You're not swiping your card, getting declined and saying, well, I guess that's just part of my life. You are taking action to make changes and that's how it works. So 
Thank you so much for your time today. And we will talk to you soon. All right. Thank you both. Okay, that was Kevin. That was his fantastic story. And that, again, you can find him at Kevin's Super Duper Marketing and Communications Company.com. Maybe. He'll probably shorten that because that's kind of a mouthful. Scott, what did you think of his story? I, I thought it was great. I, I don't think he'll probably be filing for trademark for that particular corporate name, um, in spite of your great suggestion, Mindy. But I think that, <laughs> I, I, think was, I think it was a good episode. You know, one of the observations there is, you know, and I have to imagine this is frustrating to to Kevin and, and perhaps a lot of people in his situation um, that are kind of just getting started is we talk about the four levers and there's so many different ways to think through, hey, if, if, if someone if someone comes on our show and they have, you know, t- five properties and some syndication investments and a 401k, and these other assets and, you know, two different three or three different sources of income and, you know, a variety of different um, expense buckets that look like they're a little over, you know, now we can, we can kind of, I, we can go through and we have a complicated discussion about which, which area to focus on and which is the biggest lever in that situation that depends on their net worth, their income sources, their spending, um, if they have a business or anything, any income that they can control, how we can think about those. And when it comes to, to Kevin's situation and, and folks are just getting started on this journey or have debt and are in the hole, we really have to keep that focus on that first lever of spending spending less and getting complete control over every dollar is going and say that the strategy here is understanding that it's a grind um, to get through that. And say and, and control that and sustain it for years, really, to build to pay off that debt and build that financial position. And then the, the you know the, the game begins to open up a little bit more um, when that flexibility is built and there's investment opportunities or income opportunities with that. But really, that's the most powerful lever when someone's just getting started and it's yeah. Get control of every dollar, knock it out, and 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 know that I'm going to have to sit on that. Self educate and prepare myself for that opportunity that's going to come a year or two years down the road as I build out that stronger and stronger financial position to make that first house hack investment or that first serious business opportunity or that career change or or whatever to, to scale my income and begin plying those other levers in the journey. But in the meantime, it really is. There's one major lever that makes the big difference, and it's that control of that spending because that's the one that is within your control and ability to change in the short run. I was struck by the parallels between our advice for him at the start of his journey and our advice for people who are in the middle of their journey and doing well and just waiting for their wealth to grow. It's a slog. And right now he's paying down his debt before he can start waiting for his wealth to grow, but it's a slog to pay it down. And you have to just kind of keep going and keep doing what you're doing. And, you know, it's proven that this will work, but it's, you know, just like the higher net worth individuals that we talk to who are, you know, I have $200,000 in net worth and I want to retire with a million or 2 million. Well, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing great. Keep going. Well, well, I, I actually, I'll, I'll point, I'll call that out. I think that is an important takeaway, and I have a slightly different twist on that. That now that you said that, with that, I think his, his situation parallels to an extraordinary degree a a a household that might have two or three hundred thousand dollars in four hundred one k assets and. 
$200,000 in home equity and a net worth in the four dollars to $500,000 range, but still only has one to three months of emergency reserve. They may have a cleaner financial position, but they're really not any closer to flexibility than Kevin is in terms of his journey with that, right? I think that's a power, that's like, that's, I think it's a powerful takeaway for me from this is if he can build that out and build that flexibility so it's outside of those retirement accounts and outside of that home equity as the primary drivers of his financial position, he may be able to get into a financial a flexible financial position that is capable of supporting him for several years or at least a year within two and a half years and sustaining that for life. So, so I think that's an important takeaway of where you build your wealth can have a huge impact on your flexibility if that is in fact one of your goals from finance, which I think it should be. I think that's really key, Scott, where you build your wealth is a huge impact on, has a huge impact on where your flexibility is. Because yeah, I'm a big proponent of the 401k. I like the 401k for the for the multiple benefits. It reduces your taxable income. It gives you a way to invest for your future. But you also, especially if you're planning on retiring early, you need to invest for the years between the time you retire and the time that you can take your 401k without penalty. Because you'll always pay taxes on your 401k, but why pay a 10% penalty if you don't have to? And personally, you know, I'm a little cocky or arrogant perhaps with that. But like, <laughs> I, I, th- I thought and think that if I was repeating it, repeating my journey, that money that was in my bank account or accessible to me was going to do me far more advantage because I would find a way to use that to pursue an opportunity um, in excess of what was in the 401k. Not that I was aver- not that I'm averse to the 401k or the, the Roth or retirement accounts in general. I do contribute to them, especially today um, with that. But in the first four or five years of building wealth, I really didn't contribute that much um, to my retirement accounts. And I instead plowed all that do- all those dollars into my my savings account, essentially, and buying rental property or investing after tax in, in um, index funds so that I could have that flexibility. And to me, I thought that that gave me a, a great advantage uh, in my life in, in seizing opportunities or, 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 or going after investments that I wanted to um, that I couldn't have done if I had if I had tried to max out those those tax advantaged accounts in the early years. I I don't know what the right answer there is. I think it's an art, but I think that there is a that that flexibility needs to be considered um, and is a, a worthwhile debate. Another person who did that was Craig Curlup in episode thirty five. He had eighty thousand dollars of student loan debt and chose to pay the minimums on those and aggressively pursue rental properties and. Uh, renting as property out on Airbnb and living on behind a curtain and sleeping on the couch so he could rent out his bedroom and really aggressive. I think that's like the best word to describe his journey is he aggressively pursued different ways to generate income so that he could pay off his student loan debts without having to sacrifice from his job. You know, one thing that I'm I'm really interested in is – I, I think that there's a lot of baby boomer businesses, like the services businesses, HVAC, plumbing, um, 
janitorial, carpet cleaning. Like the, the, and you go in like, I go in like Colorado buy bizzels sometimes and look at these businesses and they're selling for one times cash flow. So that'd be like a rental property selling for 300 grand that produced 300 grand in cash flow next year with that. Um, you can buy these businesses with 50 or 60 or $70,000 down with a small business loan and perhaps seller financing because there's nobody buying these businesses. There's nobody that, that that's, that's in those markets with that. And I, I, I think that if, if I was starting over again right now and trying to do that, I would buy the house hack with my financial runway. But I would be like thinking about how – is there an opportunity in some sort of business like that um, that's earning the two $300,000 a year range that's got an owner that wants to sell? And is there a way to put myself in position for that? that I don't know why I'm, I'm thinking that. But that, that's something that I would be interested in, I think, right now if I was starting over. Oh, sounds like we're going to have a conversation as soon as I hit stop recording, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone is doing that, if anyone owns a business like that or has bought a business like that or is interested in exploring that, please reach out to me at scott at biggerpockets.com. I'd love to hear from you. And maybe that would be a good Bigger Pockets Money podcast show. We've also had uh, a number of shows on that on the Bigger Pockets business podcast. Uh, if you want to go back and listen to any of the archived episodes on that, um, especially the one with Nigel. Um, I'll find that one in a moment here. Nigel with the hard last name. Yes, Nigel. I'm not going to try to pronounce it right now. Um, no, no, try to pronounce it. That'll be fun. Nigel Guisinger. Guisinger. Um, Geisinger. Yeah, Geisinger. Geisinger. Yes. Geisinger. All right, Nigel. Oh, um, <laughs> but that Bigger Pockets Business episode 51 talks about this concept a lot, and I really, I really enjoyed that episode. So go back and listen to that one if you're interested in this, and and, and if you um, have. Uh, bought a business or operate a business of the type that I just described. I'd love to hear from you. I'm uh, here about your experience and maybe um, bring on the Bigger Pockets Money podcast here. Yes, yes, that'll be a lot of fun. Okay, uh, this episode wraps up our January 2022 month and Finance Friday episodes. We are always looking for more Finance Friday guests. So if you would like to join us and have us go through your finances, please reach out or please apply at biggerpockets.com slash finance review. And if you're not part of our Facebook group, go join. We have a lot of fun talking about money and nerd stuff. So facebook.com slash groups slash BP money. Okay, Scott, should we get out of here? Let's do it. From episode 270 of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, he is Scott Trench and I am Mindy Jensen saying, may the raisins in your cookies always turn out to be chocolate chips instead. The market is changing, and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom, and the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into real estate investing or take it to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With the Bigger Pockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals 
enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.